Speak, O Lord, till your church is filled, or built, and your earth is filled with your glory. Amen. Praise be to God for that prayer. I hope the Lord uh, receives that prayer from us. Pray that he would answer that. Pray that he would speak to our hearts this morning. I want to begin our time this morning by making a confession. I am a man who has slandered. And I tell you, I want to tell you when and how. An example. This is not the only example. I've done it, sadly. I was in college. I spoke evil or in a very destructive way against an older man. He was actually not even alive anymore, but he was the father of my pastor. It was not my place to speak those words. I have uh, spread my impressions about that person in a way that defamed him. Those words of mine reached my pastor's ears. And uh, he called me in a meeting, and it was not a pleasant meeting. I apologized. I asked for forgiveness, and I remember his answer. And his response was, such words are like feathers that escape in the air. You can't catch them back. And it's true. Even though I've asked for forgiveness, um, those words I could never take back. I was not able to, to repair the damage I have caused by those words. Now, sadly, I wish I could say that that was the last time I have spoken ill about others or against others. But that would be not true. How easy it is for us when we get into a disagreement with another person or a group of people. How easy for us when we get into a, a time of quarreling with someone else. How easy it is for us to begin attacking the other person and speaking ill about them, either to their face or behind their backs. And even if we have spoken those words to their face, we continue to speak those words behind their backs, too. And we somehow think that just because we have told it to their face, that gives us reason to go ahead and start speaking and continuing to press on those things to others. Words like, well, this might seem easy for some of you, but I'm going to start with easy expressions I can't believe you're so selfish and self-centered. Or, you are a crooked man. Or, you fool. Or other words of insult that I would not feel comfortable saying from this pulpit. We say things to one another 
in a moment of anger, in a moment of emotional uh, charge. And even if they're not necessarily bad words, we may say things that tear the other person down, tear down their character, their image. It might be a joke. Growing up, I, I did not pick up on why slandering was forbidden. I had an idea that we shouldn't do that, but I didn't really know why it seemed uh, to be forbidden. Well, here we are today. If any of you this morning feel like you don't know why slandering or speaking ill or speaking against one another is forbidden, this morning the Lord wants to address your ignorance and my ignorance. And even in preparing through this message this week, it was a humbling exercise for me to realize how much I've missed about this truth of why we should not slander. Well, that brings us to the book of James, chapter 4. encourage you to open Scripture to the book of James, chapter 4. Um, we'll be reading from verse 11 to verse 12. If you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, we encourage you to find a Bible provided and share in front of you. It looks a, it's a black Bible. We, we'd love for you to open it and read it along with us and follow along as the sermon progresses. Everything I say will be based on the passage of Scripture. It's on page number... 1013, 1013. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Here's the word of the Lord. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Amen. This is the word of the Lord for our hearts. Would you pray with me, asking the Lord to bless the preaching of this word? Father, would you... Speak to us through the word that we have just read. Would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds to understand? And more than that, would you use your spirit? By your spirit, would you illumine us so that we may be willing to apply what you say and speak to our hearts? Engage with us, O God, in a way that you alone make possible through your spirit. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, the passage we have before us stands in continuity with the first ten verses of the chapter that we just read, chapter four. And in verses six through ten, uh, if you remember, we have ten imperatives. Last week, we looked at the ten commands of James chapter four. Ten imperatives that James gave these Christians. Now, in, in verse 11, the passage we just started today, we have another command. So we actually break the, the pattern of Ten Commands. There's actually 11 in this chapter. And the command says very clearly, very uh, plainly, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Now the verb, do not speak evil, can also be translated, do not speak 
degradingly. Do not defame. Do not slander. Uh, it refers to any speech, really any words, that puts down another person. Tearing down their image, their reputation, their character. Now, if you remember the previous Ten Commands that we looked at last week, were all related to the theme of humility. They defined what humility means. If you remember, we looked at four big categories of the, of the Ten Commandments uh, of, of James chapter 4. Uh, the humility, it means to submit ourselves to God. Humility means to resist the devil and instead draw near to God. Humility means to cleanse and purify ourselves, and it means also to mourn for our sin. That was last week. Now this week, we have an application, a further application, of what that kind of humility produces in us as we interact with one another. And that fruit of humility is do not speak against one another. Do not defame one another. I love how one of the commentators, Alec Motier, said, defamation is forbidden not as a breach of truth, nor even as a breach of love, but as a breach of humility. If we are really low before God, as verses 6 through 10 showed us, we have no altitude left from which to talk down to anyone. And this connection between humility and, and not speaking against one another, not slandering, is also seen in Psalm 101, verse 5, where the psalmist says, Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Do you see how the psalmist connects him who slanders, even secretly, and connects it in the same verse with a person who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart? Yes, dear friends, when we speak against others in a destructive way, even if we're right, even if we're saying the truth, but we're speaking in a destructive way, we are acting in pride. Now, do you remember what caused James to speak about humility in these verses prior to the passage we, we read this morning? It was the quarrels. It was the fights that these Christians engaged in and had among themselves. As chapter 4 begins saying, What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? So James confronts these believers with a pride of their hearts. In their hearts, they were showing signs of seeking friendship with the world. Worldly attitudes, worldly values, self-centeredness, selfish, self-glorifying, manly ambitions. Oh, friends, when life is ultimately about us, when life is ultimately about you, you will talk down to people. You will speak against them. When things don't go your way. And just observe, when is it that you are most tempted to speak against someone? When things don't go your way. When you don't like what they're doing. 
In verses 11 and 12, James brings home one major application of a humble heart. It does not defame others. It does not speak against others. So this morning, for the rest of our time, I would like for us to look at the reasons why we should not speak against one another. In our passage, we have three reasons why James does not want us, forbids us, commands us against speaking against one another. Here's the first reason why we should not slander. Because speaking against others means we are standing over others in judgment. Because we are standing over others in judgment. Notice verse 11. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother. Now do you notice and do you see how James equates speaking against a brother with judging the brother? Now let's make a major clarification here. The command that we should not judge others has been misunderstood often by Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, Some think that judging or not judging, or we judge one another when we confront the sin in our lives. And when that happens, we typically respond back, especially if someone catches us and confronts us with a particular sin, and and someone, uh, we respond typically back by saying, don't judge me. I received a note in the mail uh, some time ago when uh, we were dealing about talking to someone up about someone's particular sin pattern in, in their lives. And uh, this person, not a member of our church, they were visiting our church for a while. Um, and after talking with them and trying to be lovingly, compassionately, trying to help them see from Scripture that their habit of, of life was a sin pattern, uh, they wrote me a card and said, I forgive you for judging me. Well, friends, that is not the kind of judgment that James is speaking about. Uh, that we easily excuse ourselves and our sin when, uh, when others confront us with it by simply saying, don't judge me. That is not what James is talking about. In James chapter 5, verse 19, if anything, James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, James clearly wants Christians to watch over one another and to look over each other. And when one of us uh, is tempted to wander off from the truth, when one of us is tempted to wander off in darkness, it is an act of love and compassion to seek them and seek to bring them back. And that may mean confronting them with their sin in love and compassion, but confronting them with their sin and, and seeking to bring them back to the truth. When James speaks against judging others, he is speaking about a different kind of judgment. It's a kind of judgment that we exercise when we slander other people, when we speak against them to destroy them, to put them down, to belittle them. It's that kind of judgment that should not be among us. Friends, do you realize that you cannot slander or speak against someone without first judging them? When we slander others, when we speak in a defaming way, we are acting as judges over them. We're acting from a superior position, looking down at them. And we should not speak with such attitude of superiority against other brothers and sisters in Christ. I love how Motir says, defamation 
begins and lives on in the mind. It is something we say to ourselves long before we pass it on. But if our minds were drilled in biblical attitudes, then love for our brothers would begin to root out censoriousness. Consideration for our neighbors would begin to replace a hurtful and arrogant word by helpful and caring pastoral concern. Well, friends, realize that when we speak against one another, we act in judgment, a judgment we should not exhibit. I want to speak to teenagers, children who are among us this morning. I know some of you are coloring and are quietly singing in our service. I'm so glad for your participation in our service. I want to speak to you in a special way right now. Uh, children or teenagers, how easy it is for you to speak against your parent when your parent tells you not to do something that you really want to do. When your parent forbids you from going to a certain place or doing a certain thing, how easy it is for your inclination to say something back against them. And it's not something pleasant, typically. It typically is something hurtful. It typically starts with something like, you always blank. And if you don't actually say it with your words, you go to your room and your mind is filled with those words. How easy it is for us to speak in a derogatory way, even among family members who love us. But the same goes for adults. This is not just for children. When we disagree with someone, when we have differences with another person, how easy it is for us to respond back by attacking the other person, saying something ugly about them, saying something either to their face or behind them, or assuming the worst of motivations. Or when people don't respond back to us the way we want them to respond back to us, it's easy for us to think they're jerks, lazy, worthless. We may not say those words, but we might think those words. Or sometimes we have a humor that puts other people down. Even our humor, dear friends, we can betray a sense of judgment of others, a sense of superiority over others. Why should we not slander? Because slander means we are acting in judgment over others. The second reason why we should not slander, because it means speaking against God's law. It means speaking against God's law. Look again at verse 11. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. In other words, when we slander or speak evil against a brother or another believer, we are not simply speaking against them. We are actually speaking against God's law. Now, interesting. What does this mean? In what way are we opposing and speaking against the law of God when we speak against another brother or sister? 
Well, friends, God has forbidden his people to speak against each other. Not even, God has forbidden, listen, God has forbidden his people even to bear a grudge against each other. You say, where is that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17 and 18. The reason why you don't know that command is because we rarely go to the book of Leviticus to find something helpful in it. Now, here's something very helpful. A command not even to hold grudges against one another. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Did you hear that? You incur sin because of your brother. When you develop hate or, or don't respond to him in a right way, you incur sin because of him. It goes on. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And speaking against another fellow Christian, we oppose the law because we think we are above it. We put ourselves in a position of superiority against it, over it. One of the earlier examples of speaking against someone in the Bible is in the book of Numbers, when Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses. We are told in Numbers chapter 21, I'm sorry, in, chapter, in, in, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And God intervened. And God told them, Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? But it was not only Miriam and Aaron who spoke against Moses. In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, the whole people of Israel complained against Moses. We are told that the people became impatient on the way. It's referring to the way of the wilderness. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. And here's what they said. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Referring to the manna. Now, friends, was it true that their conditions were not pleasant in the wilderness? Would you agree that there were some merit for their complaining? Humanly speaking. Yes, yet, yet they in the process, complained in such a way that they actually spoke against Moses and even against God. And the Lord disciplined them by sending serpents. And finally, the people of Israel realize that they have sinned. And they come to, the Lord, to Moses in Numbers 21, verse 7, and they say, and the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoke against the Lord and against you. Friends, here's a point. To speak against a brother is to speak against the Lord and his law. I wonder, friends, if we realize the severity of speaking against fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. When we do so, we not only speak against a person, we speak against the law of God. And when we do so, we stand in judgment not over another person, 
not just over another person. We stand in judgment against the law of God. Friends, I wonder if you realize that when you criticize someone in a derogatory way, when you speak words that are destructive, even giving innuendos, we are opposing the law of God that calls us to love each other, that calls us to pick one another up. And even when someone is down, even when they have made a mistake, even when they, they, they're going through a difficult time or they disagree with us, the way we come alongside them and interact with them speaks about the attitudes of our hearts. We place our judgment above the law. I love how one commentator said, since James contrasts judging the law with keeping it, which he does, he does he, James says, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. When we do that, when he does that, James seems to indicate that when we fail to obey the law, to actually do what it says, we are actually putting ourselves above the law. We're not a doer of the law. We are a judge of it. What we see here in James is a view of what it means, friends, to, to be a Christian. Anyone who claims to be a Christian should be someone who submits to God willingly, joyfully, out of gratitude, embracing God's commands, embracing His decrees, but when someone fails to be a doer of the law, when someone says he is a Christian but doesn't actually practice it, that person is a judge of the law. He puts himself over the law. He's not one who presents himself as someone embracing the lordship of Christ, the kingship of God. Oh, friends, how, how easy it is for us to dis disregard his ways and thus place ourselves in a position of judgment over God's ways. So far, we've seen two reasons why we should not speak against others. Because speaking against others means we are judging others. Speaking against others means that we are speaking against God's law. A third way, a final way, why we should not speak against one another. Because it means that you are taking the place of God. Because it means you're taking the place of God. Look at verse 11 again. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. Now, from the beginning of this letter, James has been stressing the importance of being doers of the word, not simply hearers. To be a hearer only is to deceive yourself. Remember what, verse 21, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, when we speak against one another, we fail to be doers of the word. Worse, we try to take the role of God in being the judge. Notice how James describes God in verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy this is the God we must realize we're dealing with. God is a lawgiver. He is the lawgiver. Friends, if he is the ultimate king, which he is, he is the king of kings and lords of lords, he issues the royal decree, the ultimate decrees, the ultimate laws that supersede every and all other laws. He makes the laws. He doesn't ask us to make the laws. 
It's not a democracy in which we come to sort of think what would be the best laws to govern ourselves before God. Oh, friends, God is the ultimate lawgiver. If we understand this point about God, we might have a better approach to understand how he calls us to submit to him and to follow him and to love him. But God is not only the, the lawgiver, he's also the judge. If God was just a lawgiver, but there would be no consequences for breaking his laws, then who cares? You can go on and disregard his laws, even though he's the lawgiver, because there's not going to be any consequence above it or about it. But if God is not just a lawgiver, if he's also the judge, that means that breaking his laws has consequences. James reminds us that God is not just a lawgiver, but God is also the judge. So that every breaking of his law will be brought to justice. Friends, God's law cannot be ignored without us being summoned before the judge. Friends, if you're not a Christian, I wonder if you understand these two realities about who God is. That God is someone who has given us his laws, and he's a judge for breaking those laws. And you may wonder, why? Why does that matter? Why is that important? Here's why. Because God made us. He created us. He created us in, our, in his image and likeness. He created us to, to reflect him, to reflect his nature and character. And because he made us, because he owns us, he has copyrights over us. He has a right to tell us how we should live. And if we fail to live that way, he has a right to keep us accountable. Oh, friends, I wonder if you realize that the God whom you came this morning to worship here is this kind of God. And if he has a right to determine how we should live, if he has a right to determine what is right and wrong, and if we choose to disregard his ways, we will rightly be summoned to appear before him on that day of judgment. Our rebellion against God, our desire to ignore his ways, will not go unnoticed. But notice what else James says about God. He's a God who's able to save and able to destroy. Now we love the part that says God is able to save. But James also says he's able to destroy. And he will do both. God shows his glory and majesty, not only his ability to save his people, he also shows his glory and majesty in his ability to destroy evil and rebellion and anything that will oppose him. In both acts, God is glorified. God holds the destiny of our lives in his hands. Jesus, by the way, Jesus reminds us of this picture in Matthew 10, 28, when Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Friends, that's God. God is able both to save and to destroy. Because God holds the destiny of our lives in his hands. He has given us his laws. He will judge us according to our ways. He alone is able to save and he alone is able to destroy. 
Friend, if you're not a Christian, we want to make sure you, before you leave this place, you know what is the way God provided for you and I to be saved. Because God is offering today an open door of salvation to anyone who is still apart from God, to anyone who is still ignoring God, to anyone who's living life separate from God. So if you're not a Christian, take pause to understand clearly who God is. Because He created us, He has the right to tell us how to live. But humanity has rebelled against God. We have rebelled against God's Word. We rejected His Word, and thus all of us have come under the righteous judgment of God. God in His goodness will destroy all sin, all rebellion, all evil. Because of our rebellion against God, we are liable to come under God's wrath, under God's destruction. Friends, this God is also able to save. And He provided a way for this salvation by giving us His only Son, His only begotten Son, who came to dwell in a flesh, in a body like us. He was human, fully human, even though He was fully God. He lived a perfect life. He did not even, he did not even break the slightest, the smallest of God's commands. He lived a perfect life, and yet He was crucified on a cross as a symbol of being cursed by God, because indeed He has taken upon Himself the penalty of our rebellion. He has taken the guilt of our rebellion upon Himself. Three days later, God raised Him from the dead. And He was raised to the right hand of God the Father. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Oh, friends, salvation is being proclaimed today here in this place to you in the name of Jesus. If you would repent of your sin and trust in Christ to save you, trust in God to save you through faith in Christ, today God wants to give you this salvation. If you'd like to know more about what that means, if you'd like to respond to this salvation, talk to someone at the end of the service, to another Christian, another believer. And if you don't know someone, come and talk to me at the end of the service. I would love to talk to you. But friends, realize that this God is able to save and to destroy, and He will do both, and He will be glorified through both in that final day of judgment. For those of us who have responded to God's call to save us, for those of us who have responded to the gospel, oh friends, we are called to submit to God by not opposing Him, by not trying to take His place. And one of the ways we can try to take His place is when we slander, when we speak against others. And when we do so, we take his place. And God says, that's not for you to do. Now, how do we take the place of God in such actions? We take the place of God because we want to take responsibility for dealing with the other person in a way that we see right in our own eyes. We want to deal with the other person in a way that justifies us and satisfies our hunger for vengeance. Friend, realize God will deal with all believers. Not only with you, He will deal with the person you disagree with. God is impartial. Would you trust that judgment to God? Would you not take it into your hands? 
and try to do it for yourself, leave it in the hands of God. It's for Him to do it. Yet when we slander one another, when we defame one another, we're trying to take the place of God by painting that person in the way we want them to be painted. Friend, have you realized that when speaking against another brother and sister in a way that destroys them, in a way that puts them down, you are actually taking the place of God? James concludes this passage asking, but who are you to judge your neighbor? That's God's place. It's not yours. Again, James is not addressing the Christians who are watching over another and careful over one another and keeping one another uh, together and wander away from wandering from the truth. James is addressing the critical spirit of individual Christians who have differences with one another. Instead of seeking to love and build up those whom they might disagree with, these Christians allow themselves to slander and to get into fights. Oh, friends, may we not take the place of God when we speak to one another. May in our hearts honor the Lord, honor Christ as Lord, and entrust to Him the judgment that is righteous and just. He will do it in His day. He will see that justice is being done. This morning we looked at three reasons why we should not speak against one another. Because it means we are judging them. Because it means we would be opposing God's law. Because it means that we would be taking God's place. May that never be so with us. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to grow in humility and help us to show our humility before you by the way we interact with one another. In the moments when we are tempted to act in emotional hurt or because we are emotionally affected by what's going on, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of saying words that are destructive and derogatory. Forgive us, O oh God. Forgive us not only for speaking those words, forgive us for thinking those words. Forgive us for the pride of our hearts that would have the audacity to stand opposing, to stand over other brothers and sisters, to stand over your law, and to stand even over yourself in trying to take your place. Forgive us for the pride of our hearts when it's manifesting itself in these kind of destructive ways. Father, we pray that you protect this congregation from such fruits of earthly wisdom, from such fruits of pride. Protect us, increase in us the humility by which your name can be glorified among us. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, thank you for that word, Samuel. In response to what the Lord has